Leviticus 19, 9, 10, and 33. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyards bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. When the stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now I'd like to invite the children up along with with Paul Kim, our children's ministry coordinator, for our children's message today. So children, you have your chairs right over here. Good morning, everybody. Uh, what holiday is coming up this month? Oh, let's say, let, let's say it together. One, two, three. Good job. Christmas is such an exciting time of year because we get to spend time with family. Who gets family over? Okay. And we get what? Presents. We get gifts. Who gets gifts during Christmas? Wow. So let me ask you this, what is the best Christmas gift you've ever given someone? Do you guys give Christmas gifts? <laughs> Arlene, what Christmas gift have you given someone? A wand. A wand, yeah! An IHOP gift card to my dad. Uh, IHOP gift card to my dad. What are you Jesus. Jesus, I just said Jesus, that's a great gift. We'll talk about more about that. Okay, so what is the best gift you've ever received? So someone gave you a gift. What's the best one? Me. Jesus. Jesus, good answer. Adeline, what's the best gift you ever got? Huh? A Kinder egg. A Kinder egg. You know what the best gift I ever got when I was a kid? It was an ancient piece of technology called Nintendo 64. It was a game system. Anyway. Um, do you know about... Oh, pardon me. Yeah. What was the best gift you received? A rainbow keychain. So do you know about the Christmas present that God gives us? So I have a present right here. Huh? Yes, there is. There's something in here. I packed it this morning. Okay. Uh, I have a present here that will remind us about God's wonderful present to us. Okay? So let's open it. You guys ready? There's something in here. Isaiah, can you help me open this? I know you're eating, but can you help me open this? Because you're trying to open it earlier. Can you open it? We got a present. What's in there? Can you take that out? Ooh. It's not a Nintendo 64. <laughs> But this is a picture that I packed this morning. Jesus! Yes! This is a picture of Jesus. And do you guys know who these two people are? Mary and Joseph. 
Mary and Joseph. Good answers. The Bible says God sent Jesus to us as a gift for all of us. Luke tells us uh, what God, uh, God's angel said to Mary when he first told her she was going to have a baby. So an angel came to Mary and said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. So Mary did have a baby named Jesus. She named Jesus. And that's the very reason we celebrate Christmas every year. And the Bible says that Jesus is a gift from God. Um, it says in the Bible, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus is our way to God. Jesus is our way to eternal life. And Jesus is our gift from God. And in this picture, he is a baby. Okay? Isn't that awesome? So God has given us a precious gift. And Christmas is not about Santa Claus. Alright? Christmas is not about getting gifts from uh, other people and the, the, the toys and things. You can't you can, you can take everything of Jesus, um, the toys. Yeah. Thank you, children, for reminding us once more of how, how simple the gospel truly is, that we have received Jesus as a free gift. You want to speak, Isaiah? Maybe someday. So as we continue our journey through looking at Scripture's description of who we are, sojourners in this world, we come to a point where we stop to have to ask ourselves a question. All right, I know I'm a sojourner. I know that this is not my home, that I'm simply passing through. That all the things that God has given me, it's sort of like, I have a backpack, and I'm simply walking through and enjoying the life that God has given me. 
that there's nothing I can take with me from here. That no matter what I built up in terms of my relationships, in terms of my job, or, or whatever it may be, that in the end, well, all of that will one day pass away. But my identity as someone who's loved by God will never pass away. We've also learned that here in this room, we're, we're blessed um, because not only do we understand that from a very spiritual aspect, which is the most important, but, but God has also enabled us simply by virtue of the fact that we are mostly bicultural people here. We live in American culture and the Asian culture or, or our parents are, 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 are um, cross-culturally married, that we have experienced two or three different cultures at the same time. So we understand what it means to not belong anywhere. We understand what it means that we don't have a home in one place or another. And as Chris was sharing with us today, that we all go through that sense of who, I, who am I as, as a person. And our spirituality gets tied up in that as well. But as you get older and as the Lord sort of pinpoints in you that you are simply my son and my daughter, you're able to look at yourself as a um, second generation Asian American, as a bicultural person. And you start to understand, listen, who I am is not a curse, but who I am is a gift. To know that you don't belong in this world really helps you to not hold anything too tightly, but instead to be able to love freely, to be able to observe freely, and to be able to give freely. You know, coming from, the, coming from Philadelphia down here to Atlanta, Georgia, one of the things I don't think I'll ever be able to understand, and I think I've said this many, many times, I don't think I'll ever understand college football. Never. I will never understand what happened with the Alabama-Auburn game. I will never understand why people care about Georgia football, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I'll never be able to understand that. But one of the things that helps me with is that when I'm here and I watch people really engrossed in it, I can sort of st step aside and go, hey, it's not a big deal. God still loves you. Hey, don't fight over this. It's not a big deal. Your identity is not in the hat that you're wearing. Your identity is in Jesus. Now, I know that might sound like a frivolous example, but for, for many of us, it might not be football. It might be our jobs. It might be our marital status. It might be whatever it is. But we start to understand that when we don't have a dog in the fight, and if God really is working in us, we become agents of change for other people. And that's a blessing that we hold on to and not a, and not a curse that we try to fix. And I believe scripture teaches us that. That we are supposed to have this mentality as a sojourner. A mentality that we do not belong in this world. And yet we are to love this world. And the only way that we can love this world is because we do not hide our identity in this world. Whatever the world says about us, it's okay Whatever the world gives to us or doesn't give to us, it's okay. Because nothing that the world gives lasts or is satisfying compared to knowing that Christ is with me. 
and comparing to knowing that in this journey that we are going together as a church, as individuals in Christ, that we are able to love freely and love generously. And I do think that's the message of, of if, if I can say it this way, of Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays, that we are to have our eye out on people who are like us and to love them rather than to try to fix ourselves and not want to have this sojourner mentality but want to build a home here. In Scripture, God tells us over and over again, First Peter chapter 2, that we will always be sojourners in this world, that our citizenship is in heaven. God judges those who try to make this world their home and tries to amass wealth here in this world. We ourselves do ourselves a disservice when we try to accumulate wealth and accumulate knowledge just for the sake of ourselves. But God has given us this gift for a very particular reason. And it's to be generous. And there's two things that I want to talk about very quickly today. Number one, because you were once sojourners who had nothing and relied upon the generosity of others that God has placed in your life, you too must be generous to others as well. Verses 9 and 10, it talks about this. It talks about when you reap the harvest of your land, you should not reap your field right up to the, its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourners. I am the Lord your God. Now, when we look at our world today, we see people and businesses always trying to maximize profits. He's going to be a preacher one day. Just watch it. <laughs> always trying to maximize profits. Always trying to uh, make things um, work faster, better, more expedient. And the more tighter you can get the supply chain going, the more money that you can make. And oftentimes, humorously, this is played out in, in, in people's world. You know, if, you, if you're someone who's an engineer and you, and you have a child, and there's a story about this one engineer who has this child and decided that we need to save water because of the water shortage, and so came up with a methodology of how their son and daughter should, should bathe. Basically, you turn the water on, turn off real quickly. Soap from top to bottom. Put the water back on really slowly. Get the, get the water out of the hair. Turn it, turn it back on and make sure you can get as much water off as possible. And then the fast rinse in the end. Trying to sort of maximize it and save everything for themselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's actually very much commendable. But there's a point in time where we have to realize that we are not to take and glean everything from this world and everything for ourselves but that God has called us to leave aside the extra and what remains for the poor 
and for the sojourner. I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes when, uh, you know, if, if I see that field and it's already been gleaned through once and I see those leftovers, the first thing in my head is not, how can I leave this behind for the poor and the sojourner? But the first thing in your mind is what? How can I get everything and maximize everything for my profit and for my gain? God wants all of us to, yes, manage your money well, manage your time well. But you will never, ever achieve 100% efficiency. It just doesn't happen in this world. And God often prevents you from having 100% efficiency. You will have leftovers. And the question is, what are you going to do with that leftover time, with that leftover money, with the leftover resources that the Lord leaves for you? God often calls us to leave that for the poor, to leave that for the sojourner. Spend that extra time with people who are in need. Find that that extra bonus that you get or that money you found in the couch, wherever it may be. Offer it up to someone. Look in your house of things that you don't need anymore. And be generous to people. We do that because we ourselves remember, once again, that we were sojourners, that we were poor, we had nothing, and the Lord still provides for us. We are to be generous and generous to all. Secondly, and most importantly in this message today, is that because you are sojourners, and because of your ethnic makeup and because of the way that you grew up here in the States, many of us, you understand what it means not to have a home. We should be people who should always be looking out for others who are sojourners just like us. And to minister to people just like us. Now, I'm not saying that we don't minister to everyone. But when God says, blessed are the poor, when God says to us that it is those that who are weak that will inherit the earth, when God himself is the one who moves people from place to place in order to hear the gospel, we should be people who can look and see and pinpoint those who are in the midst of sojourning and finding out who they are, to go and to love them and to walk with them and to seek them out. It says here in verse 33, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. In other words, you don't take advantage of someone who just came from a different place. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I think this is one of the most beautiful, beautiful things that we can do as a church, because we have not yet forgotten 
that we do not belong in this world. You're, you're reminded of that all the time. I don't have to go through examples. At your workplace, when you're driving downtown, just that one person says that one offhanded remark, and you're like, I, I don't belong here. But instead of one getting angry and pissed off, instead of number two, trying to say, trying to not like who you are as a soldier who doesn't belong anywhere, you have to become someone who rejoices that you don't belong here. When someone calls you a nasty epithet, I know you'll get angry. But there comes, has become a time when you reconcile to your heart, I don't belong in this world. I don't belong anywhere. I belong with you, Jesus. And the side note, that's the only way that you can actually fight racism really well when you can say that. When things happen to you where you feel like you're out of place instead of, and Chris shared this so well, sometimes we're like, we need to find our own place and find our own little safe haven and make this little place a corner of our world that's ours. But if you do either of those two things and solely do either of those two things, you know what's going to happen to you? You will forget the sojourner among you. Because when you see the sojourner, you won't have mercy on them. But you'll dislike them because you dislike what they represent. They represented you. They represented what you used to be. But instead, we who are sojourners embrace that ambiguity and when you see others who are wrestling through that, who are looking for a place to call home, these sojourners are not people of Israel. The people who are sojourning that we're talking about are not necessarily Christians. They are people who are walking through this world trying to figure out who they are. You treat them like their fellow citizens. You love them and walk with them as God has called you to do. During this Christmas season, there will be people who are poor, displaced. There will be people amongst you who are still trying to figure out who they are and, and why, they, why are they here on this world. Instead of saying to them, hey, come over here, let's just, I'll give you a safe place to call home and we can sort of enjoy one another. Nothing wrong with that. But why don't you do something like this? Hey, I feel the same way. I've never felt home here. Every once in a while, God allows me to have good fellowship with other people. But I'm just like you. I'm a sojourner. So are you. I wasn't made for this world, neither were you. Both of us were made for something bigger. 
I found him. That's Jesus. He was the ultimate one who came down from heaven as a sojourner. He didn't belong here on this world, did he? He was born in a manger. He was a drifter. Born in Nazareth, had to move to Egypt, came back up from Egypt. He moved around a lot. People in his own home didn't even receive him well. Jesus talked about not having a place to rest his head. That's our Savior. But he had a home. And he was able to love us because he had a home. His home was in heaven with his Father. And because he had that home, he was able to, to understand his purpose in this world. Now, he's the Son of God. And what makes him special is that he died for us to take away our sins, to fulfill our longings, that we may walk in our suffering, that we may walk in feeling like aliens in this world because he's made a home for us. It's what God has done for you and me. And it's what enables us to love other people who are in between cultures and in between worlds. And I encourage all of you, one, find your home in Jesus and Jesus alone. And number two, don't try to collapse the ambiguity that you live in. Embrace it. Feel that ambiguity. Feel the emotion of not belonging. And let God turn that into a vehicle of ministry to other people. That you may love them and serve them as God continues to love you and serve you as well. I praise God for our church all the time. And every time I share with people about our church, you know, um, you know our size is what it is, and that's not what's important to, to me, and I don't think it's important to any of us. Um, but what I love about our church is that we're not trying to be something that we're not. It's okay to live in ambiguity. It's okay. We're weary about structures in a, in, a, in a way because oftentimes when you put a structure in, you set a culture that sometimes doesn't mesh well with who we are. So it's always changing, it's always moving. But that's okay. That's good, that's who we are. And I always tell people, if you need to find a home, a church, where people are all awkward because no one belongs in this world, no one has made it here, quote-unquote, made it here in this world. If you want to find people who, when they talk, they, they're still wrestling with how to speak with one another because they themselves are still trying to figure out who they are, I'm like, come here. Be awkward with us. Be strangers with us. 
Let us talk about Jesus, our great Lord, together. So be proud of what God is doing here as well. Be proud of the awkward silences. Be proud of the mistakes that you make in loving one another. Be proud of the way that you love people who are just as strange as you are. Because that's what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for calling us as sojourners in this world. And Lord, we are indeed, um, have been equipped and our senses have been heightened, Lord God, um, to really be able to see who are people who are sojourning and looking for a place to call home. And Lord, we ask of you to help us to reach out to people like that and reach out to them well. That, Lord, even if it oftentimes reminds us of our insecurities, that that's okay. That together we need to walk together to find our insecurity, not in this world, but in Christ. And so, Lord, mature us like that, Lord God, that we may be instruments of peace within this world, with issues of race and issues of gender, and that we may be able to be agents of peace, Lord, in our church, as well. We thank you for your grace and your mercy as always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.